Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Berry. Joining me virtually from Hedgesville, West Virginia, the poor man, Tony Bumbo, is back once again. Mr. Darren Shrewsbury Jr. Darren, how are you this Saturday? I'm doing all right. It's getting starting to get slowly warmer, and I enjoy that. Yeah, I don't need to say what's going on in Florida. I've been following the Braves spring training, and I'm really jealous. <laughs> it's like, okay, we got guys with no sleeves on. I'm like, if I go no sleeves on, number one, I wouldn't do it. But if I do, I freeze my tail end off. Yep. All right, so we can't go anywhere without discussing. Before we get to the Patriots, we have to discuss the NFL at large. Uh, the biggest event that happened in the NFL this week was Carson Wentz being traded to the Indianapolis Colts. What says you? Um, I mean, based on all the stuff we kept, uh, I kept seeing, like, oh, uh, one way or the other, whether it was Carson not happy there or them not happy with him, it was very, it was very weird. But uh, it started. Uh, Getting, making me feel that he was going to be gone. Like he, I don't know where I didn't know where he was going to go. I certainly didn't expect Indianapolis. I mean, I even remember seeing Pat McAfee going quit it with the Indian Carson Wentz to Indianapolis stuff. Like he didn't believe it, and then naturally he responded in his Pat McAfee fashion with a, 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 a. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, only Pat McAfee do that and get away with it. Yep. So uh, I'm not surprised he's not an Eagle anymore, but I am surprised that uh, he's at the Colts, actually. And I, not because I didn't think he'd be there, but just because, I don't know, I, I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know where he'd be, but I, it's still surprising that it's the that's Colts, I guess, because I just had no idea where. But I am kind of surprised at the price that they paid for him, um, considering how it's coming off his worst year of his career that I can t- that that every according oh, to he was else. awful um and so you know the, the Colts gave him gave up a third round pick in 2021 and a conditional 2022 pick second round 2022 pick that could apparently turn into a first round or if he play I guess if he plays enough uh for the team or something like that uh it just says based on Wentz's playing time um which is crazy um Honestly, but um, he has been injured a lot. Perform- so I mean, if if he you know, yeah. if he if he gets hurt like the eighth game and it's twelve game and a twelve yeah. game deal. Yeah, but like either way, it's it's I, for how poorly he played last season and the fact that he's now he's he's becoming apparently injury prone. I think the Colts paid too much for him, and I think it'll bite them in the ass. Um, but. We'll see. I mean, you know, the NFL's the NFL. We've seen crazy stuff happen. I'm gonna poke and prod a little bit. Where, if you had to, if I had, if I put you on the spot, where would you have thought he went? Uh, genuinely, no clue. I mean, fair enough. I just, I sat, I, I was sitting there the whole time, just going, "All right, well, I can imagine that it's just not gonna work with Philly. He's not gonna be an eagle." But I couldn't have told you at all where he would have been. So anything was a surprise at that point. I mean, I'm even seeing things now that apparently Carolina might be in the mix to try to grab Watson. Yeah. <laughs> and try to, they, like, force, force Houston to give him up or something. Someone had Christian McCaffrey go the other way, and I'm like, uh, that would be what Houston should want. It, but we all know they're not <laughs> giving him up. Yeah. Well, okay, exactly. I shouldn't say that. It's not lucky they give him up. Watch. There's going to be a trade notification. When we get out of here, it's going to say Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun Watson. And I'm going to call Carolina idiots, to be honest, because 
McCaffrey is the biggest workhorse on that team right now. Or nearly, I would say. Arguably. Or nearly, I would say, special live show to break that down. But I've got a really important soccer game to go cry about at 1230. So, yeah. <laughs> Emerson at Liverpool. You, you know all about that. I don't need to go into that here. Just, you know how, you yep. know how much I'm slowly building up that dread to the game. Yeah. Like I'm at full panic mode about 12 noon. Uh, but, so, yeah, I'll take this from a different angle. And I want to see what you think of this. The Eagles fired Doug Peterson because Jeffrey Loria, the owner, was not satisfied with how he was running the team. And it appeared that there was a power, a power struggle between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. He was insubordinate, was Wentz, he refused to be coached. He audibly out of place that Peterson called for the sole reason that he didn't like it. And they fired Doug Peterson, and that generally means you pick the quarterback in that battle. Yet they still traded the quarterback. <laughs> Do we even know what the Eagles' plan is anymore? No idea at all. Um, I mean, I I would, in its own way. Now, I'm not going to say this is the this is the definitive right answer for what they did, but I can see some logic, some inkling of logic in being like, well, listen, both of you have been toxic. Get out of here. Uh, it just, I guess, one let uh, you know Peterson ended up being fired first. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, but I can see some inkling of logic there. Where if you're you're the higher ups and you're like, this is ridiculous, because then what if what if Wentz does the same thing to the next guy uh, and becomes, I guess, a, a melodramatic little butthead? Um, but you know, I, again, not saying that that is absolutely the case or even the case at all, uh, but I can see where that might possibly have played a factor into both of them just being, de- it, you know, dealt it's away. A, it's a fair point that I had not considered, to be honest with you, although I would also counteract that with this. If you're going to clean house like this, get the GM out of there too. Just completely clean house. I mean, yeah. just why not? why not? I mean, it's that team was old, like going into last year, they were injury prone. You may as well just start mm-hmm. from the ground up, fire the head coach, fire the GM, fire the training staff, trade away every old player mm-hmm. and let them go, and just build yourself up again. The division is still winnable if you have a young team. Because we don't yeah. think that Washington's going to be up. Washington will improve, but are they really going to go from like 9-7 and seven to 12-4? and four? Probably not. The Giants are going to get better, but they're not going to go up from 6-10 and 10 to you know 11-5. and five. And the Cowboys who may yeah. not have Dak Prescott back at quarterback and may have a ton of issues as well. That's a very winnable division that will probably be bad for the next few years. If there's any time to strip it down and rebuild from scratch, it's now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Shifting gears to western Pennsylvania now, uh, there may be a problem brewing in Pittsburgh, a $41.5 million problem. And <laughs> that is the size of Ben Roethlisberger's cap hit. I didn't know this until this week. That's the largest casket in the NFL. Jeez. Think about this. Ben Roethlisberger is counting more towards the Steelers' salary cap than Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes is counting to the Buccaneers and Chiefs, respectively. The Super Bowl quarterbacks cost less on the cap than Ben Roethlisberger, who's a 38-year-old quarterback who has been in the Super Bowl in just about 10 years. And let's even... Let's just you know dot the I on that and the fact that Pat Mahomes has a half a billion dollar contract. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Though? And the fact that his cap hit is less than Big Ben. 
I mean, there are a lot of different things that play into factor, of course, but still, it's insane to think about the fact that that he's got a oh, nearly a half a billion dollar contract and is somehow not costing uh, forty million dollars a year in, in uh, cap hit. <laughs> So here's the – I'm leading up to a question you asked me yesterday. Uh, there's going to have to be some major finagling for the, for the Steelers to keep Ben. As he's taking a pay cut or they're changing the entire roster and making a bunch of cheapos to keep him. And we know what the mm-hmm. Steelers are going to do, and it's not going to be getting much cheapos. They don't play like that. Yep. In New England, fine. We do it all the time. There, not so much. So uh, – Here's my. Here's what you asked me yesterday. I will ask you to repeat your opinion, and I'll give mine. You asked me if there was a scenario in which the Patriots could acquire Ben Roethlisberger by trade or free agency. Would you take him? I will give you the floor first, and then I will give you my opinion. Yeah. So when I asked that, I was like, you know what? I'm actually not entirely sure where I stand. Um, but then you know, I turned back around and answered with, I would probably take him for a an extremely short term deal, and if they you know, and if they acquire him, you know, he would have to be pretty much cheap. But we also determined that it was unlikely that he would be cheap unless, you know, he's just cut and they sign him to a one year deal or whatever. But um, and I say this and I said that strictly because of my beliefs that if the Patriots draft a quarterback and I, I believe they should, um, that I do not want that quarterback to be thrown into the frying pan. I I've said it multiple times that I hate when that happens because it rarely ends well. Um, see Joe Burrow this year. Let me stop you. Let me but, stop you. Joe Burrow and stuff not play bad. The offensive line at Cincinnati was horrible. He was true. running for his life. Oh, no. His, his play, oh, yeah. I don't mean brought, that the quarterback he, plays he bad. He brought that team. He brought that floor majorly up. The ceiling was still low, oh, but no. the floor was up. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't disagree there at all. I, I, yeah. I should definitely clarify in that. I don't mean that the quarterback's gonna play bad. I just mean that it's never a good Fair situation enough. when you have to rely on the rookie quarterback to do that. Um, I mean, all props to Bo because if he had finished the season, he almost certainly would have gotten Rookie of the Year. Um, but it was definitely a competition with Justin Herbert in there, and they both played really well. Um, but I never like to see that stuff happen because I'm always afraid that you're going to be hindering the the career from the start, especially because it's almost always with a pretty bad team to begin with. You know, rarely does a good team just throw a rookie quarterback out there uh, <laughs> Miami. to begin with. <laughs> um, so really it's more so of the to one, give them a little more time to actually learn the system. Um, get, you know, get more comfortable with everything and also preserve a little bit of their career probably. Um, so I, I feel like if they drafted a quarterback and then they somehow acquired big Ben, uh, then that could be beneficial to the team for having a veteran for at least another year. And that, that, is you know again he's probably on the decline, but he's not horrible. He's still not a horrible quarterback, obviously. Um, and it gives the the rookie a little time to learn from said veteran, and you know learn a bit more as well. So I would not be against it if the situation was right, but I I am fully understanding that the situation will unlike is unlikely to ever be right for that to happen. It would have to be a Cam Newton deal where he gets cut like tomorrow. And then no one picks up on him for the whole summer, which I don't think would happen. Uh, and then mm-hmm. he's like, he's going into July, going, I'm not on the team yet. 
then Bill goes, hey, I got a spot for you. Come on up here to New England. We'll see what we can do here. So it would have to be that. And I don't see that as a possibility. I just don't. And let's say a trade was to happen. It would have to be the Steelers took a big chunk of that paycheck. And I don't think that's ever happened in the NFL where a team has eaten up a chunk of a, of a, of a guy's contract like there's in the NBA or in, or in baseball. I don't remember that ever happening in the NFL where one where the trading team has still paid the salary of a traded player, like a part of it. I don't, I don't think it's ever happened, so it would be almost impractical. The Patriots can, by definition of the cap, afford it, but still, we don't, you know, it, it's, it's a problem. I don't want to eat up $41 million of a $64 million cap that's going down, by the way, on one player. There's holes on that team that he filled in the worst mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Especially with so many people going on free agency. Uh, James White and Rex Buckhead, for example. Uh, I think Devin McCourty is going on free agency, I think. If I was reading the Patriots article properly yesterday, um, he'll be on free agency. Um, there's a ton of people on free agency that I would like to have back. And obviously that is never the case, but – those are things that I would also want to focus on as well. Instead of spending, like you said, $41 million of our cap space on those when you've got someone like James White and Rex Bokehead who deserve to have uh, a spot on the team and be paid a little bit right. for it. It's like, Rex, the best I can do is six cents because I spend all on Ben. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. So- yeah. It's a, you don't get to sit there and go, hey, you know, TD Rex. You, you you were the workhorse for until you got injured. Uh, here, have some crumbs. <laughs> right, no, that's not that. That just that the, the you're man gonna get laughed at in the building. <laughs> exactly, your own building. That's gonna be sad. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it. I I I I played devil's advocate when we had the conversation yesterday, and I'll play it again here. Big Ben is on the decline in the Steelers system. The Steelers system is based on what downfield passing. They like, to, they like to go deep because they have the guys that can do that. The Patriots are famously devoid of a deep threat. I wonder if, for whatever reason, Ben showed up in Foxborough, if the traditional Patriots offense of deep passes and supporting you with the run, of not deep passes, of short intermediate throws and supporting you with the run game would help him extend his career a little bit because it wouldn't hurt his arm as much. I'll give you an example. A lot of times, with the American League has designated hitter, and National League does not in baseball. Catchers who catch uh, in the National League every day want to conserve their want to preserve their careers. Will go play in the American League, so if they're not catching, and they have a good bat, and they they hit well, they can go and they can be the DH on days they're not catching. You still get their bat in that lineup, but they're not having to wear their knees down catching it. So you wonder, and it's preserved people's careers. It's extended the most famous instance that I could think of because it's important to me was Brian McCann. He left the Braves, went to the Yankees and Astros, won a World Series, and then came back with the Braves on a one-year deal. But because he had a he, the only reason he could do that, because he wasn't catching 150 games a year in the National League. He could take the games off. The, other, the team had another catcher they really liked. They could, split the, they could split up the catching duties, and whoever's not playing can be the DH. So it worked really well. You wonder if playing, if not having to throw it, you know, 65 times and for the average distance downfield of like 15 yards, you kind of wonder if throwing 30 times an average of eight yards downfield would help a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I can't disagree with that. And again, I think we both are in agreement here that it's unlikely that this ever happens, but it was an interesting thought I had, that you brought up, and I thought it was an interesting conversation. That's why I wanted to bring it to a much more digital scale. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's move on here. This is going to be the start of our off-season program. And basically over the next 10 weeks from now until the NFL draft, we are going to be discussing a position by position. We're going coaching staff today, quarterbacks next week, then running backs, tight ends and receivers, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, corners, and secondary uh, corners and safeties and the special teams. And then we're going to have a draft preview before the draft. Uh, obviously, we can't do that afterwards. It would be a draft review then. Uh, but the point still stands. We're going to do this for both WVU and the Patriots. It'll give us some uh, some uh, chances to <clears throat> really get into both these teams as we start to plow our way toward next football season. Which, by the way, if you look for something to do this weekend, uh, there's college football on. So if you have ESPN Plus mainly, or next week, if you have Pluto, if you, you can go get Pluto TV. It's free. You can watch the Big Sky Conference and my Weber State Wildcats next week uh, when they open up their season. So college football is here from now until May. We'll touch on that if one of our teams does something incredibly stupid or incredibly exciting. Hopefully it's, a, hopefully it's the latter. Uh, but you never know. It is college kids, by the way. So... Uh, We'll start off with the Patriots coaching situation. This is comprised of two main points I want to make, and I want to ask you. What do we make of the, of the coaching situation, and where does it rank big wide in the NFL? So what do we think? Of, and I, I don't want you to go like the tight end coach is the 16th best tight end coach in the league. The safety's coach <laughs> the, is the 23rd, 23rd best in the league. I don't want to do like that. But I want, to, I want you to look at this coaching staff and what they've done the past year mainly the guys that have been on that staff that you know, uh, and kind of give them a grade. If you're not necessarily a letter grade, if you can go letter grade if you want. Don't get me wrong. But give me your overall thoughts on the coaching staff, and then where do you think it fits in the league? Because particularly for the Patriots, it was always to be the best in the league, and then Brady leaves, and they're 9-7 and team, and everyone seems to forget that team had no talent. And they dragged them to nine wins, or seven wins. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll give you the floor for this. I'll back off, and then I'll stop talking, and then I'll give you a chance to do it. <laughs> and I'll come back in with mine. But what do you think of the Patriots coaching staff, and where is it ranked league-wide now? Um, so this is, this is the part where I'm generally uh, nowhere near as well-versed uh, in terms of, like, understanding all the coaching staffs. But uh, – <clears throat> uh, and, 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 you know, all the different things of that sort. But what I do know is that – Matty P is going to be back in some some fashion, and they just added a um, a former Patriots player uh, in Billy Yates to the coaching staff. They they haven't apparently um, told us what role he's pl- going to be playing, but he was an offensive lineman. Um, so maybe something that in that fashion. I that's just a, a lowest common denominator grab there. Um, but so that you know. That's nice to have, um, but in general, like it's I, I can't say it's it's bad. It's not a bad situation at all that they're in coaching wise. Because as far as I'm aware, outside of you know losing a 
um, Nick Casario, which was obviously in the more of the executive area. Uh, I can't name anyone off the top of my head that I know that they lost in the uh, to anyone else. Of course, that also a lot of that might not have come to light yet, as far as I'm aware. But so it's going to be a relatively similar face next season, um, which is I would say is good. You know, consistency is always good. Um, so I, I would say that we're in a good position, especially because of the consistency there. Um, and as long as I get some, some depth, then there's nowhere to go, but up, uh, with all of that. Cause they have a lot more to work with. Um, as far as ranking it in the NFL or I don't know if I could confidently give an answer for that again, because I just, I don't understand a lot of the inner workings of a lot of the coaching staffs around. So I wouldn't, I feel like my answer would be meaningless to really give an answer for that, to be honest. Fair enough. I, I'll go to that. Then I'll go to what I make of it. I think it's still a top 10 staff in the league. And I know recency bias plays a lot into this. People are going to look at, what Bruce Arians staff did, and I'm not going to phrase the diversity, and rightfully so, I have no problem with that, because it is something to be proud of. Uh, but they're going to look at this and go, well, that staff won the Super Bowl, Andy Reid's staff uh, still has Eric enemy for some unknown reason, uh, yeah. and I'm looking right at you, Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. But they still have Eric enemy they still have Steve Spagnuolo as defensive coordinator, they did lose to Britt Reed, which, considering no one knew he was there prior to that accident, doesn't <laughs> really mean a whole lot. Uh, yeah. But it, I, I, I don't – we knew this was a bad Patriots team last year. We knew that. The amount of COVID opt-outs meant you were going to have depth issues and guys that aren't, weren't meant to play that many snaps played a ton of snaps last year, which that helped their overall growth, but it did not help the team at least in 2020. So the fact that that coaching staff had them at one point, and I, I will always bring this up, at one point the Bucks were only a game better than the Patriots were. They were 7-5, mm-hmm. they were 6-6. Six and six. The Patriots got themselves dragged to seven wins on that coaching staff. And here's the thing, the game plan was almost always good, it just didn't get executed. So don't mm-hmm. tell me that that's a bad staff. Don't tell me it's a bad. It's a bad team, sure, but don't tell me everything is going south because Brady did. You know, it, it's not that simple. If Cam doesn't turn the ball over as much, it it might be a ten win team. I mean, it really might. Mm-hmm. You you figure you beat uh, Buffalo, you beat Denver, and you have a chance if you played the way that you did on defense, you got a chance to go beat Kansas City. So mm-hmm. you probably. And they definitely could have beaten right. Seattle. So it could have been 11-5. <laughs> Don't tell me that coaching staff did a bad job because they didn't. It's not mm-hmm. all doom and gloom in New England like everyone says. It's because Tommy Boyne went and won the whole thing. It's not. Yep. So I would give this a top 10 staff. I, I, I think there are some that might be deeper in terms of potential head coaching candidates on it. But then again... NFL head coaching hiring has become almost enigmatic. It's hard to predict who's actually going. Because we all thought Bienvenue was going to get a job the last two years. He hasn't gotten a job yet. For some mm-hmm. inexplicable I, reason. I think I remember 
I think I remember uh, a, a Coach Reed even being annoyed with that. He was like, listen, I'm, I, 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 he, he's obviously like, I love him here, but he deserves a head coaching position. Like, he, I'm angry that he's still here because of and that. And he should be. I mean, he benefits <laughs> from it, but it's and, like, come on. How? Yeah, it's like he he understands the value of his of his staff, and he's more than willing to be like, listen, go go get what you deserve. Ugh. Exactly. I mean, it, I I don't want to keep bringing on the Texans, but I will. How how <laughs> they didn't look at this and see we've got a we've got a quarterback who's really mad and wants out. He happens to be the uh, the franchise now, especially on the JJ Watts out there. Uh, even though this happened, mm-hmm. even though JJ Watt was still on the team when this when this all went down, I don't know how you don't look at that and go, at least interview him and give him a job offer. Like he's the perfect candidate for that. You've got a quarterback with much the same skill set as Patrick Mahomes, who had a better season than Patrick Mahomes did statistically on a bad team. A four and twelve team. He mm-hmm. was had the he had arguably the, the second best season of any quarterback in the league behind Aaron Rodgers. How you don't go? I can go get the enemy. I'm gonna go get the enemy. I have no idea. Like if I was running the Texans, the first person I would have called would be Eric Bieniemy. I would have called the Chiefs and said, "I want to speak to Coach Bieniemy." That as soon as I fired Bill O'Brien, I would have been like, "I want to speak to Coach Bieniemy when the season comes back around, when when the off season comes." I would have totally done that. And here's, here's what makes it even more baffling. They're the first team to fire a head coach. They had all weeks five through 17 to figure out who they were going to hire, to get something together. And they hired a special teams coach from Baltimore. Not, I don't want to trash on David Tilley. He might be the next Bill Belichick. But come on, man. You had the perfect candidate for your for your this going to a quarterback, and you botched it. Back to the Patriots. It's a good staff. I think it's. I think it has. I, I. I'm really just glad McDaniel stays. And I guess we can go into this debate if we really want to. Is McDaniel still the heir apparent to Belichick? Honestly, I have no idea. Because it feels like it feels uh, like I inevitable mean... that he is because of the more times he stays. But it's also mm-hmm. like, well, okay, will there be someone else like, uh, oh, I don't know, Steve Belichick, Bill's son, or Gerard Mayo, mm-hmm. who apparently was in it for the Eagles job, uh, you know, just, you know, or are there other head coaching candidates on that staff to where it doesn't become as apparent anymore that Josh gets the big chair when Bill hangs it up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously somebody knows something we don't, as, as is always the case uh, with him staying for so long and, and also dipping out when he had apparently taken a, a head coaching job a couple of years ago. So, oh, he had, so, he, somebody knows he'd something already now. assembled a staff. Like he had assistant coaches packing mm-hmm. up and heading in, in Indianapolis when he backed out of that. A lot of people thought yep. that was going to be his death nail uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of actually being hired again in the NFL. A lot of people thought, since you screwed the Colts over, you don't get to be hired again. And then the Eagles want to talk to him, and then the Eagles, you know, we have to go through all that. But it, it, it it's interesting with Josh. He's certainly an, an enigma, but then again, he's on the Patriots staff, so that really shouldn't be too much of a surprise. 
Yep. All right, let's move on here. We're doing the same for West Virginia University. What do we make of the coaching staff, and where's the rank in the Big 12? We can go nationally if you want to. Let's stick in the Big 12 for now. Uh, I know they've added a ton of people. You can even just uh, go. We can even, the, you can even just staff, go in the but... if you want to. I'm just kind. Um, I mean, clearly they they improved, uh, and and everything's falling back in in, in a place. Where it seems like you know if the trend continues, they'll be even better next year. Um, so and you keep. They quickly replaced some defensive staff, I think, um, that I guess yep. had left. So that's good. He immediately knew who he wanted and made the replacements. So, again, that's quick, and it, and it gets them right into the mix. Um, and the the all of the off-season type stuff that these guys do with, like, the accountability teams and all that stuff, all of the stuff that I've praised in the past, you know, they're still doing. He's still – um, making it known that these guys are working hard, uh, and he's he's continuing to instill that. So it's <laughs> you can't you can't complain with some with with a with a system like that that really holds players accountable and and shines light on the ones that are doing an exceptional hey, hey, job. Hey, Dana. Hey, hey, Dana. Huh? Hey, look at this. Maybe maybe do that, and your son right. will abandon you. You're. I'm gonna go say it, you're a city dad. <laughs> but we're making serious, a, we're making all, a all it's a, it's, a <laughs> it's a good it, we're in, I think we're in a good position and uh I I will continue to say I want Neil Brown to stay around. Yeah. I, I, Neil Brown is the is the perfect guy for West Virginia. He he was born in, he's from Kentucky, he understands this area. He understands, you know, how important WVU football is to, to the area, to the state of West Virginia. He understands the challenges that are in the Big 12 because he coached in the Big 12 before he uh, went to went to Troy. He understands what is required to win here, and he's done that. There's no reason to believe the program is not on an upward trajectory. I mean, he won a bowl game in his first bowl game mm-hmm. as WVU head coach. What more do you want? Yep. Only oh, did it in a season which he had no spring drills, and he had to get ready for a season in like a month in COVID. They were improved exactly when it, there was every reason for them not to improve. Mm-hmm. So where is it in the in the conference? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say top third behind the conference. Who? Uh, I mean, I think at this point it's still pretty apparent that <laughs> Oklahoma's at the top there. Um, they just—it doesn't matter what happens; they still come out on top. As much as I hate it, um, <laughs> so they're the guys to beat, and maybe we'll get to beat them. Maybe. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see, the number two's. Uh, oh man, I just had. <sighs> I lost what my what my thought process was with that one. Um, <laughs> crap! Uh, now I got to sit here and run through all the teams again. <laughs> Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas oh. State, Texas, uh, Texas State. Yeah, that, there Iowa we go. State. Nope, Iowa State's the Iowa State's the the, the guys. Right. The I mean, they're both again. They're both in prime positions, and uh, I think WVU's got to chase them down. <laughs> Everyone else. 
who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, we know what Les Miles is, is capable like, of, but it's Kansas. That's a tough road to hoe. Kansas State is good, but, you know, can they really be great? Yeah. It's like, like just about everyone's doing well for what they're you know, doing. Like, not to crap on anyone in the Big 12 League. They're all doing uh, pretty good jobs uh, for the most part. So it really is uh, – uh, it says something when, you know, the Big 12 goes undefeated in bowl games. Yeah, it really does. Uh, you know, we can get into this later as you're probably in the summer because we'll read stuff for the summer once we got spring football in the draft. But where does the Big 12 rank for you in terms of best conferences in college football? I mean, let's see. It's pretty difficult to rank anybody above the SEC as much as I, I hate the, the consistent – the consistent way, uh, you know, SEC is the best conference, which I still, you know, in general, I think the SEC is com- overall not the best, but they consistently produce champions. So that kind of outweighs yeah. a lot yeah. of the, the mediocrity and cupcakery of the rest of the conference. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in there terms you go. Make of just the kids. consistent ability to, <laughs> the consistent ability to always produce a champion, no matter where, uh, that you really, you really can't argue with that. Um, but I would, uh, I would say the, above the ACC, I would say the Big Twelve's right behind them. I mean, or the, or the Big Ten, of course. When when you've only got Clemson, UNC, the ACC that Miami, Boston College look yeah. better, Virginia's. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, they all look better for sure. And yeah, the Big Ten only has. Breathe in, but uh, the Ohio State University. I mean, it, yeah. And, and at one point, we were con- we were talking about the chance of the SEC having what three people, or three teams, possibly at one point in the in the title uh, oh, race. Yeah. You know, like I think Florida was up there until they got beat. You know, yes. a, 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 uh, correct me if I'm A and M's SEC, aren't they? A and M, you know, they they should have been in there, uh, as we've all discussed. Um, Georgia was in the mix. Uh, L- LSU was off. obviously a champion last year. Um, Alabama, yeah, it's like obviously Alabama won. It's like that, like those top guys there, they were all uh, in the mix. Uh, the rest of them, no one knew who the, what was going on, but those were all in the mix this year. So. Uh, having said that, that that actually further pro- supports my point there that the SEC probably should be the top because I just sat there and renamed all the things. I was like, wait a second, holy crap, they really were all in the mix this year. So, so to correct myself from a minute ago, uh, but the ACC we've got was a like, top ten we've got Clemson, team. maybe we've got a UNC team that lost when they really shouldn't, yeah. but they were still pretty good offensively. Everyone else was just kind of Louisville. Mm-hmm. I thought would be better. Louisville fell flat, 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 flat on their face this year. Uh, n- no one else really jumped out and like, yeah. okay, I gotta watch them. But you're right; it was basically only Clemson. Oh, Notre Dame! The yeah. one time Notre Dame was in the ACC, yeah. they won the conference championship game. <laughs> Thank you, Irish. Yeah. So then, um, in the big, in the Big Twelve. You know, a lot of the top teams stay the top teams, and they're consistently, you know, trying to be in the mix. I mean, Oklahoma was pushing up. The, had they not, had Oklahoma not 
fumbled at the beginning of the season, they might have been in the mix. I still think they would have been one and done like they always are because that's just classic Oklahoma. But hey, they had made they a not run. They fumbled were number at the six of the season, in the country they probably would have been the year. There. They made a um, run late on. Yeah. And one did yeah, they, they did, in West Virginia's sure. brains in that might um, So, I, maybe, but I'm, I would have to, I, I would imagine it wouldn't help them as much considering, not that, again, not that WVU was even horrible last year. They had some, you know, they had some problems, but I still think it wouldn't have been as big of a statement win as some of the others that would have probably lumped them into the top four. But, I mean, obviously it couldn't have hurt. I mean, it, it Beating someone's brains and never That's hurts true. Uh, in terms of score and winning. So it certainly couldn't have hurt. All right. So here's what I think of, uh, of, of the coaching staff at WVU. I love it. Like I said, I, Neil Brown is the perfect person for this job. He's made some incredible hires. And I don't want to keep railing on Dana, but I will. I don't think that Dana would have had guys that it when his staff look, I don't know that he really would have had guys ready to go, I know who I want, and I'm going to go get them. Because we've seen guys leave before, and it took a while to get those guys mm-hmm. in, and you're like, who's showing that spot? Unless it was like Jake Spavlall coming back, and we all know yeah. he and Jake are basically best buds. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, we certainly wouldn't have won a bowl game if he was still there. I'm just... You can't, he can't get he, the man leader, can't win bowl games. He can't do it. Uh, and in the Big 12, <laughs> I would say you're probably right uh, in terms of being behind Oklahoma and Iowa State. I'm going to go a little bit further down, and I'm going to take, at least in terms of head coaches, I would take Mike Gundy third and then Neil Brown fourth for the sole reason that Gundy's done it for so long in this league. And Oklahoma State is always competitive. They may not win the conference, but they're going to be in it until the very end. They're almost always good. But really, I mean, top four in this league is really, really good. And you make a point. I mean, Oklahoma has ruled the league the last yeah. year. Iowa State's risen up to that level where they've beaten OU and got him into the conference championship game. Texas just fired Tom Herbert and brought in Steve Sarkeesian. So you've got West Virginia that appears to be on the way up. Kansas State has a perennial winner in Chris Kleinman as their head coach. So got, they've got some things going on. Uh, TCU, we ex- I expect TCU to really bounce back this year under Gary Patterson. They started off kind of rough last uh, beginning of this season. They got it together late on, build momentum from that. Uh, Texas Tech, yeah, the jury is still out on them. Same thing with Baylor. But the middle of the league almost gets kind of squished together. Because it ends up being the suit, the top teams beat up on them, beat up on on the rest of the league, and the rest of the league beat, beats up on itself. That's the thing is we all beat up on each other, and no one really rises up to really make that run at OU. But they're all capable of it. That's the thing. Every one of those teams, mm-hmm. except for maybe Kansas, could very well do it. And that's what makes that's what makes this thing so yeah. fun. Even Texas, the first year head coach. You wouldn't put it past them to make a run at this thing, would you? They have talent. They're never gonna. They're never gonna not have talent at Texas. If they do, uh, they have a big problem. Considering there's enough recruits in the state of Texas and surrounding states to fill up, yeah, probably every team in the country. If we're being honest, even if the guys aren't good, they got enough football players down there. 
All right, so let's move in here to no, for <clears throat> sure. To uh, the um, rifle team, you've got Smooth and the rifle team. Oh, they uh, yeah, they're Compete. playing. Compete. In, there we go. Playing, there we go. How, competing is probably the better term for this for this situation uh, in the uh, in an NCAA qualifying match mm. uh, today. I believe it's in uh, almost, Ohio. Almost the home field advantage, kind of. Yes. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. I wonder where they rank right now. Anyway, two, uh, I, I don't actually think not they ever sure. dropped that below that two spot. Um. Let us see. I'm on the rifle sport or the sports website right now. It is load. Read full story. They are number four. Pick it up. Let's see where the who they're behind. Uh, They they lost. uh, They lost on the thirteenth, which is their first loss. The I guess of the season or the conference. Uh, they are. They hmm. lost to Kentucky, who was number two at the time. Um, doesn't actually say. Let's see the actual ranking. Uh, TCU is number one. No. Number two is Kentucky, Ole Miss, Man. and then WVU. TCU, then Alaska. I remember, won the national championship when it was up here in Morgantown. If memory serves. As I think, as I think, everyone was like, "Hey, we're gonna I win, we're so. gonna win in whole right. territory," and then in true West Virginia fashion, they got beat. Like everyone, every other WVU sport was like, "Come here, mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, come here, join us in the bottling of it at home." And they're like, "No, we don't want to be a part of you. <laughs> we actually have national championships." No. I didn't yep. really want to. <laughs> I didn't plan on doing this, but we're gonna go there anyway. That's the single buckle rifle team. West Virginia plays at Texas today, and given the sheer destruction that has taken place in Texas on the power grid, uh, I'm going to give you an ethics question: Should that game still be played? There are absolutely more important things than playing a basketball game. While a state is dealing with the I'm worst disaster it's had in years, <laughs> absolutely more important things to be doing. Uh, I I could go into a laundry list of of why this is wrong, but I'm not going to because you you, you any one of you should know why this is wrong. Um, it, so no, they they shouldn't be they I, like not that I'm saying they should go and be helping, but I. I'm never against them. I was like, remember when the baseball team? What was it? Was it something what happened in Oklahoma? Yeah, those and tornadoes that ripped like rallied right next to yeah. it, to Oklahoma and, City and they went, Oklahoma. And the baseball team took the Brewster's credit cards that they have, and they went to Walmart mm-hmm. and bought people like clothes and flashlights and stuff like that, handed it out to people. And they and there were several like LU fans and like, yeah, I'm running for West Virginia now because those kids know what they're doing. Yeah. So that's that's one of the things that I, in in its own way, I'm well, kind of surprised okay. didn't happen uh, here. COVID. Because normally, like in its own way, but but there might be something also true. Um, but like I guess in some kind of uh, manipulated fashion to help. But you know there are always 
there's always something in the way, one way or the other. So I'm not going to immediately blame them as if they didn't want to help. So I, that was obviously not going to say that because that wouldn't be fair to them. Um, but again, this is there are more important things to be doing right now than than worrying about playing this game. Uh, now, as we've discussed, there's also an extremely it's also extremely difficult to be trying it to would, would be this, this game should they uh, should they have canceled it because. So there's that, but still, I, I still feel there are far more important things I'm, to be I'm dealing with, with than My dad this suggested game. something the other day. <laughs> Neutral site, if you can get it. Like get it in like Georgia or somewhere. Have Texas fly out. Do that. That would have been a fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that would have been there's a better no way they sure. should be playing this Texas three-step uh, with – Today against Texas, Tuesday against TCU, and then Thursday against Baylor. Oh, and by the way, unless the Big 12 suspended these rules for this season, this is the travel nightmare because the Big 12 says you can't stay on the road for more than four days. For more than three days, I think, actually. So if it's more than three days, you'd have to, Damn. unless they abolish the rule or I'm getting the dates wrong, you'd have to fly back to Morgantown and fly out to TCU again. And then fly back, and then you can stay in Baylor. Because it's on a Thursday, Jeez. but it'd be like, uh, guys, we should just stay here. We shouldn't go back to Morgantown. It should just be stay in Austin, go to Fort Worth, then go back. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be going back to Morgantown like this all the time. Which stinks, but they should spend like mm-hmm. six days on the road. <sighs> Fun times in the NCAA, right? <clears throat> yeah. Fun times in the NCAA. Yep. All right. So that's our show for today. We will, as I mentioned earlier, we will talk about the quarterbacking situation with the Patriots. That should be fun. And the West Virginia quarterbacking situation, which should be a lot more upbeat uh, next week. So until then, I am Lucas for Darren. This is the scientific coaching number 40. Darren, take us home. Adios, everybody. <laughs>